And uh, I do appreciate Norman uh, for allowing me to, to fill the pulpit while he is away with uh, your men of the church um, on a retreat. And I know that he will uh, lead them well and they will come back um, better men than when they left here. I, um, on behalf of my wife, uh, who is not here, she usually comes with me and travels with me um, on the circuit when we visit on Sunday and other times. She is at home sick. Uh, this is a t season of uh, upper respiratory infections. You, you know what I'm talking about? Well, she uh, has one today. She's had one all week and uh, was coming today, but when she got up and we ate, she just did not have enough strength to get out. So I encouraged her to stay home. And uh, so she's at home now, uh, resting on the couch, um, getting ready um, for uh, later on today. I also want to tell you, too, that um, I've been your director of missions now for 18 years. And I am officially retiring on July 31st of this year. And I remember announcing that uh, at our annual meeting last October and then uh, publicizing it a little bit in the uh, newsletter that we send out monthly. And I just want to say to you, the members of this church, how grateful I am for your, um, your support throughout the years, your prayer support, your financial support, your words of encouragement. They have meant a great deal to me and to Mary Ellen and to our family. And um, we have just enjoyed tremendously our time together with the churches of this association. Uh, they are, you are a great group of people and we are indeed um, blessed by you and by others for um, being in your presence. And I know that uh, the next director of missions will continue the, the work that um, is ahead of him and I know that you will give him the same support, overwhelming support that you've given to us over the years. And we are grateful to you for that. I want to, before I begin today, I want to just simply uh, lead us in a time of prayer. And so would you just bow your heads and let me pray with you? Our Father, we, we thank you today for the privilege of being in this place to worship you. For the privilege that you've given us to just come before your people and, and speak a word from you to them. And so, Lord, I would just pray now that you would just open our hearts and our ears to the message that, that you want to, to deliver to us through your speaker, your servant today. I pray that you will give him clarity of voice that and, 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 and a way of presenting the, the word so that everyone can hear it, understand it, comprehend it, get it, and then respond in obedience to what you say to us. So, Father, we come to you now, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would just simply prepare our hearts for the message that you are about to give us. I, I pray that you will remove any kind of barrier, any kind of distraction that might cause your church to to have wandering ears or wandering eyes may their focus and may their attention be placed firmly upon the word of God that they hold in their hands and may their eyes and may their attention be be focused upon the one who is speaking before them today your word and I pray that when the time of response comes 
that you will lead them to respond as you would have them to. For it's in Jesus' name that I make this prayer. Amen. I want you for a moment just to, to imagine with me. Imagine with me or, or dream with me or think with me about a church. It could be your church. It could be any church. But just think with me for just a few moments and imagine if you would a church where God is clearly present and the word that is preached and proclaimed is nothing but the word of God. Imagine if you would for me with me for just a few moments that the word that you hear you know is clearly from God, preached to you, and that you know that when you leave here today, you can say, you know, I heard from God today. He spoke to me. He spoke a word to me. Would you also imagine with me for just a moment where when the invitation, after the preacher has given it and after he has finished the word, after, as the invitation is given, the altars right here are filled with people making decisions, people who are getting saved, people who are being added to the church. Would you also imagine for just a moment a church where, where people pray for each other, where, pray, where prayer takes place daily, trying to, to see the kingdom of God being moved forward to be accelerated, a church that prays that the kingdom of God would advance on earth just as it is in heaven. Where people are being transformed by the gospel. Not by some program. Not by some effort that some group is putting forward. But that it is, they are being transformed. Their hearts are being transformed by the very word of God where people are, are giving generously of their tithes and, their, and of their offerings, such that every need in the church and every need in the community, all those needs are being taken care of. There's no one who is needy. Where acts of ministry are taking place, where there are more volunteers than places to use them as volunteers, where acts of ministry are taking place, where the kingdom of God is advancing strongly and rapidly, and where Satan is on the run. What a church that is. Well, you may think, well, that's, that is a very unique church, pastor, preacher. This is not just a dream. This is a church that is on mission with God. And everything that you heard describing that particular church is that way because the DNA of God has been invested there by the Holy Spirit Himself. But you know, in spite of what we've just heard and seen, there's a, there's a proverb that says, How soon we forget. How soon we forget. We forget people's names. Do you ever go up to someone or have someone come up to you and, 
and you for the life of you can't remember their name and you're so embarrassed to say, you know what, I don't know your name. And so you just kind of stumble along. You forget names. You forget places. And oh, you'd better not do this. You'd better not forget your wedding anniversary. <laughs> right? Am I speaking to anybody here today who's done that? I hope not. But we do forget. But when we, when we forget spiritually, when there is forgetfulness in the spiritual realm, that's far more serious than forgetting somebody's name or forgetting a date or a time. I want to share with you this morning a passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8 that, that is a record that, that, that Moses compiled or that he made, that he wrote down as a kind of farewell address to God's people. I want you to open your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Deuteronomy 8. And I want to read a few verses and then we're going to kind of stop a little bit and just kind of uh, share the word with you. Deuteronomy 8, beginning with verse 1. And listen to what, what Moses says here to the people. He's an old man now. He's 120 years old. Well, he's ancient. I don't know of anybody who's ever lived that long. Do you? Here's what he said. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know that, you, that, that what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. Verse 3, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had ever known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 4, Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now I'd like for us to stop there for just a little bit. Here's what, here's what Moses had to say to the people. He said this, I want to warn you. I want you to, to understand this so that you can not forget it. I want you to remember where you came from. I want you to remember the history that, is, that you've kind of stuffed back in the back of your minds as something that you would just maybe recall at a holiday or at a special occasion. I want you to remember it every day and not forget through pride and forgetting what took place that the Lord chose you. He chose you. You were His special people. That not only did He choose you, but He, he redeemed you. He rescued you when you were in slavery. When you, were, when you called out in, in distress and in desperation, Lord, would you please see our condition? And would you come and would you heal us? And would you rescue us? And He did that. Do you remember that? Then never, ever forget it. Well, you know, sometimes we're all tempted to forget, aren't we? The three points that I want to make to you this morning. First of all, be careful. Be careful 
are forgetting God when life is good. Can I get a witness to that? Be very careful to forget God when life is good. As I look out here today and as I look at, at my own life in a mirror, I see how good God has been to me. And I can sense that God has been especially good to you. Verse 11 of the text, which we didn't read this morning, but you might want to look at it right now. Moses said, when he was trying to point out about the, being careful not to forget God when life is good, he says, be careful in verse 11 that you do not forget the Lord your God. Now, he's not saying here, I want you to remember facts about God. I don't want you to remember things that if I ask you to remember and, and, and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a test or I'm going to give you a little learning time so that you'll be able to remember those facts. He says, no. It's, it's much, much more than trying to remember facts about who God is. But rather, he says, I don't want you to forget who God is. And I don't want you, I don't want you to forget what God has, has done for you. The blessings and the abundant life He has poured out upon you. You know what, what dulls, the, 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 what dulls the, our awareness of God? It's abundance. It's having stuff. It's having possessions. It's having, to, it's having to rent those places downtown that many of them are air-conditioned in order to store our things. Why, God has blessed us with an abundance, hasn't He? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 18, The Lord is my rock. He is my strength. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is my shield. He is my, my stronghold. I call to the Lord. He is worthy of our praise because He has saved me from our enemies. Moses says, don't forget the Lord and who He is and what He has done for you. How can we forget the One who is always, always present with us? Well, I'll tell you this, we forget because of the, of the present abundance of life. Moses said, do you remember children of God, how it was when you wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? How you wandered like nomads in the desert? The Scripture tells us in verse 16, you were hungry, yet what did God do for you? He fed you with manna, while your fathers had never seen that before. But yet the Lord saw that you were hungry in your stomachs, and He fed you. He says, not only were you hungry, you were thirsty. And, and where did he get that water from in the desert? Why, well, it came out of the rocks. He cried out. And the water came from the rocks. Where would you get those houses that you live in now? You built fine houses and you settled down while your herds, they got larger and larger. And the silver and gold in your pockets and in your purses... They increased and you had multiplied, and they had multiplied. Verses 12 and 13 tells us in the text. All of this so that they could learn what? To trust in the faithfulness of God. And also whether or not God could, could see from what they had been through that they could see that it was God who did it and not they themselves. Oh, it's so easy to forget when life is going good. 
for 40 years, you wandered in the desert, you never accumulated anything, did you? Now, you would build up much, and what would happen? You would forget God. We, for, we forget God because of the abundance of life. Be sure of this, He would want us to know. When we have little, do you remember what it was like when you had little to nothing? I'm not sure younger people do that, but I'm sure some of us older ones do. When you have little, what do you do? You depend on God day by day by day. But when you have a nice house, and you got a car, and you got a truck, you got a comfortable balance in your bank account, you got kids and grandchildren that are, that are doing great, and you can easily, easily, am I right? Forget God. Be careful, however, that you don't forget who God is and what He's done for you. Would you please, because each of you has one, has some, those spiritual markers along the pathway and the journey of your life. And you know what I'm talking about. That place when you were saved, that place when you were baptized, and the transformation that took place in your life because you know you had Jesus living in you and your life would never ever be the same. You graduated from school, you went to college, you went in the service, you got your first job, you got married, you had your first child, all those places along the road of your life. Who was there to give you and to guide you and to grant you His presence and the abundance of His mercy and love? God was there. Never ever let us forget God. When things get good, the psalmist wrote, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us, no one, no one can record when I speak of them and tell of them. They are too many, too many for me to record and to remember. Be careful of forgetting God when life is good. Secondly, there is a result of forgetting God. And you know what that result is? It is prideful self-sufficiency. It's prideful self-sufficiency. Look in verse 14 of the text. Moses said, verse 14, after he talks about how good God had been, then he says, then your heart will become what? Proud. Proud. Why pride lives in the heart when you forget your absolute dependence and trust upon God. Why Israel had forgotten the pathway of her past. How she had depended upon the Lord for His protection and for His provision. He, sa- he goes on to say in verse 14, He says, You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. The Lord gave you food. He gave you water. Your clothes never wore out. Your feet never swole or blistered. You always had strength to to make your way alone in the desert. You never were alone from God. You learned lessons that the Lord allowed you to learn that would prepare you and get you ready for the purpose for which God had called you. 
But spiritual forgetfulness leads to arrogant amnesia. Spiritual forgetfulness leads to arrogant amnesia. Now, am I speaking to you here today when I say that most all of us have had a wilderness experience at some point in time in our life? I hate to talk, always talk about money, but money was tight. We live from day to day. The future is so, so uncertain. But God's provision is real. It's personal. It's there. The future is uncertain. Then things begin to get good. And we forget God who sustained us every step along the way. Spiritual forgetfulness leads to arrogant amnesia. But spiritual forgetfulness also leads to arrogant confession. Notice what he says here in verse 17 of the text. He said this. He says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Now notice that phrase, You say to yourself, My power and my strength. That's what has produced the wealth that I hold in my hands. While you may go to church on the Lord's Day, and you may stand up and proclaim at the, at the top of your voice, how great thou art, great is thy faithfulness. You can say that, and you can impress everybody. You can go through the motions of worshiping God on the Lord's Day, thanking Him in public, but to yourself, what do you do? I stayed up late at night and studied hard. I got up early and went to work. I worked hard. I put in the time. I did it. Nobody else did it but me. God had nothing to do with it. How quickly we forget God. It's not how great thou art. It's how great I am. You know, when you go to the movies, the picture ends, or the story ends, and they start running those credits. You know, they start out with the main characters, main stars, they're, 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 their names are in big print. And the further down to the, to the end you get, the print gets real, real, real small. But in the, when the story of of your life or my life ends and the credits run through. Is God's name going to be there? That if it had not been for Him, I would never ever made it. Or is it going to be all about me? All about what I did? All about my report? All about my bill? All about my accomplishments? Or is it going to be? How great thou art thou, O Lord. Without you, I would be nothing. The result of forgetting God is prideful self-sufficiency. One final point. The recovery from forgetting God is deliberate recollection. The recovery from forgetting God is deliberate 
recollection. Verse 18 of the text. Listen as I read it. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers, as it is today. How do we get over spiritual amnesia? We make a deliberate effort at memory recovery. God alone, He is the one who sustains my life. When provision was needed, God alone provided it for me. As you sit down and as you think about what you need for your life, you will rediscover that it is God alone who provides you everything in the world that you will ever need. It was the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 18, 30 and 32, God is a shield for all who take refuge in Him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. How do we get over spiritual amnesia? We make a deliberate effort at recalling in our personal life what God has done. But God also sustains us because of His faithfulness, not our performance. He does it. It's not how good we do in the classroom. It's not how good we do in the office or in the boardroom or at the job. It's not based upon our success. It's based upon God's faithfulness. And don't forget that. Moses said, God confirms in 18b. He confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers. He blesses and pours out His abundance because He is true to His word and true to His name. All we are and all that we have is the result of His faithfulness to His word. There, there's a verse of Scripture in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 that I've been that I've been thinking about a lot lately as I um kind of as my life kind of moves to the next stage of life in Hebrews 10:23 these words the writer writes he says let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful he who promised is faithful I want to I do a little recalling to you this morning, and I want to get real personal. When I was 11 years old, in 1962, that tells you how old I am. Not as old as Moses, but I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> when I was 11 years old, my family, uh, all of my uncles and aunts, my father's brothers and sisters, and all the cousins... We gathered outside of Washington, D.C. and Silver Spring, Maryland for a family reunion. We did that every few years. This one was special because I think everybody that we knew was there. All the aunts and uncles, all the brothers and sisters, all the cousins. My cousin and I were the two youngest ones there. We were 11 and, well, almost 11. He was almost 11. I was a little past 11. And we gathered there on the outside, uh, just outside in their yard, for a family picture, for a family portrait. And we took the portrait, the picture, 
It's special because I still got it. That was the last time, the last time, all of us who were there were there again, were not there again when the next one came along. Because some of us died along the way. Several uncles and aunts. And um, that, that, that really concerned me. At that time, I was not a Christian. I was not a believer. And you know, when you lose people that you love, you begin to think about life and you begin to think about death, even when you're 11 years old. I did. And I, you know, I was real concerned about what's going to happen when someone like a parent or someone like an uncle or an aunt dies again. What about me? And so I began to talk with my parents, my mother and father, and when I was 12 years old, the next year, sometime in the spring, I made a decision to give my heart and my life to Christ. I made a decision, a personal decision, to leave my old life behind. There wasn't a whole lot of it, and it wasn't that bad, but to leave it behind me and to take up the challenge and the surrender of my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. He came into my life. I accepted Him. I was born again. I was baptized. Now, that was important. Here's why it was important. Because in August of 1963, when I was 12 years old, my father died suddenly, unexpectedly. Though he had been sick, but he was at work. He was 56 years old. And his death left behind me and my mother. She was a stay-at-home mother. He worked to make the living. We had a little small farm, which he rented out. But suddenly, lost a father. My mother lost her husband. And we lost someone to support the family. We didn't know how in the world we were going to do it. She was right in the middle of farming. We lived in Florence. Crops to be, to be harvested, taken to the market. I had to start school less than a week later after he died. How are we going to do it? But you know what? God sustained us. Our faith in Him never doubted what happened. Never questioned. We were not angry. We didn't, we didn't cry out, Lord, how are we going to do it? We just trusted His Word. He said, you can, you can trust my faithfulness. I'm going to take care of you. There were, there were men that came in my life, Christian men, who taught me how to be a man, who taught me how to work, who taught me how to play ball and, and, and play with others, who gave me confidence in myself. There were other people in my, in my mother's life that helped her along the way through our church and through our friends. She made it. We made it. Not because we were good. Not because we deserved it, not because God felt sorry for us. He just said, if you, if, you, if, you, if you 
trust in the hope that you have in me. I'll never let you down. We never forgot that. We never forgot how good God was to us, how great He was to us when we were at the bottom and when we needed Him. And we have not forgotten Him today, even as we, even as we have come out of that valley of the shadow of death and we're moving forward with the rest of our life. And, th- and the same can be said of each and every one of you here today. No matter where you are in this life, how bad you have it, how good you might have it, because there's going to be a point in time in your life when you're going to need Him. You're going to need His Word to trust on. I want to, I want to assure you today, He hasn't let you down. He hasn't left you. I can, I can attest to that. Tempted to forget God? Forget Him in the times when times are good? When, when there's a tendency to be proud and be prideful and say, Hey, I don't need God. I don't need anybody. I got me. Recall how good God has been to you in the good times and in the bad. Would you pray with me?